1: If we're talking about mediation for divorcing couples, the, the couple um, if you're good. It's a good choice for couples who both agree they might that the marriage is ending. They might not have come to this decision at the same time. That's very rare that both parties agree at the same moment to end marriage. But at the point that you start mediation, that both of you accept that this is happening. So there's that emotional component to just acknowledging and accepting where you are, um, and both of you should feel. Um, able to advocate for yourself.
0: Welcome to the Divorce Roadmap series, comprised of 24 episodes designed to be your guide through each leg of the practical divorce journey. Be powerfully prepared as top experts in the field, advise you on each logistical stage from the agonizing question of should I stay or should I go, through the complex legal, financial, and parenting choices before you, to your future plans for housing, budgeting, and co-parenting post-divorce. We're talking about the mediation approach, and we have a guest, a dear friend of mine, an extraordinary attorney, Andrea Vaca. And Andrea is the founder of Vaca Law and Mediation, which is a a Manhattan law firm that focuses exclusively on non-adversarial divorce and family law matters. And after practicing traditional litigation focused family law for a whole lot of years, Andrea chose to work solely with clients who wanna keep their divorces out of the court and negotiated in a non-adversarial manner. So she's such a great person for us to be talking to today. Andrea, I'm thrilled to have you with us today, welcome. Thank you, Karen, I'm happy to be here. Before we jump into the details about what mediation is and who it's best for, can you share a little bit with our listeners uh, how long you've been practicing family law and what made you switch over to the uh, the non-adversarial approach? Sure. Um, so
1: I've been practicing law and family law in particular for over 20 years, almost 25 years, um, and it was about 10 or 12 years into my practice, which was, like you said, more traditional divorce approach and using litigation, I heard about the collaborative law process. And it was like a life changer for me. I realized that there are ways to help couples divorce without litigation, without throwing them to the wolves and attorneys and, and and, and helping them in a more productive way to reach an agreement. So I started um, getting training in collaborative law and mediation. And um, about uh, eight, not eight years ago, I made a decision not to stop litigating altogether. So it's been an interesting journey. And um, I'm very happy now that I don't have to litigate at all. And I can work with clients and help them keep their
0: divorces out of court. Well, that sounds awesome. Let's start at the beginning. Uh, can you give our listeners a definition of what mediation is and what mediating your divorce is?
1: Sure. Well, mediation is a process that uh utilizes a neutral party, the mediator, uh that works with the party, the the two the couple and helps them uh deal with any disputes that they may have. In divorce mediation, you have um, a husband and wife, or two spouses, um, or perhaps they've never been married. And just in a family partnership, but we bring them together, and they're meeting with me um, in a three-way meeting, and I'm working with them through all the issues that they need to resolve in order to end the
0: marriage or end the relationship. So, if if I'm going through mediation, Andrea. And you're the neutral. How do I know what my legal rights are, and and what's the best, uh, the best, uh, re- uh, what do I want to say, uh, demands or requests to be putting on the table? Well, yes, it, just because you're keeping your case out of court and
1: your matter out of court, you still have to know what the law is. It's very, very important. So, as a mediator, i can I, I am a lawyer, so I can I can provide legal information. I can let both uh, parties know what the law says about in a more general way. But if you want legal advice for you, then you should meet and it's highly, highly suggested that you have your own attorney that you can consult with during the mediation process. I always think it's best practice for couples to each have their own attorney that they can meet with before the process mediation, the mediation process starts and to be able to check in with that attorney during the process. So that you can kind of check in and find out what would the what would happen in court, or what does the law say, or what are options for me around the law, um, because I, and that's how you get your advice. But it's very important that those attorneys
0: understand and respect the mediation process. So I, I think that's such an important point. And if you're listening in and. Uh, your your spouse really wants to mediate and you know this you divorce attorneys all seem to get such a bad rap about being sharks um, that that what What Andrea is saying is really important that even if you're going to mediation, it's important that you have someone who is sitting down and talking to you and giving you advice that definitely has that non-adversarial approach but that can really advise you on what your rights are and what you – should and shouldn't do at the mediation table. So that's really important because that's the kind of support that will also help you to have more confidence and uh, feel stronger as you're sitting at the table. So I I, I love that you said that. I'm curious, uh, who is an ideal candidate for mediation? Or actually, yeah, who's an ideal candidate for mediation? Well, if we're talking about mediation for divorcing couples, the the
1: couple um, it, it, you're good. it's a good choice for couples who, both agree they might that the marriage is ending they might not have come to this decision at the same time that's very rare that both parties agree at the same moment to end the marriage but at the point that that you start mediation that both of you accept that this is happening so there's that emotional component to just acknowledging and accepting where you are Um, and both of you should feel um able to advocate for yourself and when i say advocate for yourself with regard to your concerns, with regard to your wants and your needs, um, be able to ask questions of the other, of your spouse. And just to go back to the divorce um, attorney that you're consulting with, they should be helping you to find your voice and help you advocate and give you the information so that when you're in the room, you're, you're, you are able to advocate for yourself. Um, A couple that is good for mediation will also have a a decent level of respect and consideration for each other. Clearly the marriage is over. There's been a lot of hurt. There's been a lot of pain and sadness, but overall and or underneath it all, they respect each other and they want basically what's best for each other in the long run. You also need transparency and honesty um, with regard to the issues that will impact decision-making. So, it might not be that maybe there was betrayal in the marriage, you know, infidelity of some sort. But that doesn't mean you can't mediate because maybe you're you're still completely transparent about the finances. You 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 um you're honest about whether your new girlfriend or boyfriend will be spending time in your new home with your young child. I mean, you just have to be forthcoming in order for mediation to work. Um, and on the other thing, I think that makes if if um, if you're looking at whether mediation is right for you. Uh, what common goals do you have? Uh, do you both want what's best for your children or maybe child rearing's an issue, but you both want each other to be financially secure in the future? Or you both feel it's important to keep a good relationship with your uh, former in-law? Something. There has to be some commonality, some common values that you can still hold on to. And that will help get you through the mediation process.
0: So what I'm hearing you say is open communication, a certain level of trust, a certain level of transparency uh, and, and respect just so that you can actually sit across from each other and, and listen and hear and speak to each other. One of the things I, I heard you talk about was confidence, and that's a place where You know, our divorce coaching and journey beyond divorce, where we have a lot of clients who want to go through the mediation process, but perhaps their spouse is an attorney or a business person who negotiates for a living. And so they'll, uh, they'll draw on us to firm up their confidence and their clarity so that when they go to the table each time that they feel they can go toe to toe with their spouse. And so if, if you're listening and you're thinking, well, this sounds a lot like it could be good for me, but, but I'm not so confident in my ability, that's a great place where some divorce coaching can help. And your attorney will be advising you on the legal stuff. What what we would be doing is more uh, helping you to get really clear and confident uh, within that realm. Yes, and the attorney and the coach can work very well. You know, you
1: rely on those two professionals to help you Feel confident and comfortable in this process because it's not easy for anybody, especially if you're not feeling like you have
0: all the wherewithal to be there or that somebody has an advantage over you. And, and you end up building those tools. I mean, one of the things we always talk about in all of our shows, if you've been listening is, you know, what are the gifts? What are the treasures that are in the midst of this incredibly difficult experience and and building your self-confidence and, and getting the tools for negotiating will end up serving you for the rest of your life as well. So, you know what I'm curious about What would you say is a particularly um, bad candidate, couple candidate for mediation? What kind of warning signs do you look for where you where you kind of know it's not going to work? It's not a good fit.
1: Well, if there's a very strong power imbalance um, that it might not it might just be too difficult, it might not be with bad faith that there's a power imbalance, it's not abusive, but there's just one person and is just so emotionally uh, far apart from the other person or is just doesn't have any um, ability to comprehend the financial information or make decisions or. Uh, move forward in in their decision making. Um, So that kind of imbalance, can mediation might not be the right choice because you're not able to advocate for yourself. You need your attorney by your side. In that case, I would suggest the collaborative approach um, so that you're still um, being encouraged to say what you need and want, but you have the attorney there if you need it. Um, If there's another Time when it's a, a red, you know, big uh, warning sign is that if it's very, very high conflict and you're yelling at each other and screaming at each other and cannot communicate in a constructive way, uh, you know, mediation is probably not the right process for you. Um, if one partner is not accepting that the marriage is over, it, that is not. It's going to be very hard to get through mediation if one party is just crying a lot or shutting down or leaving the room or just not able to be there emotionally. And another warning sign is when somebody says, I want to do mediation because it will save me money. Well, yes, it will save you money if it's the right process for you. It will waste money and it will waste time and, and goodwill if you try to squeeze, you know, a case that should be in litigation or collaboration into the mediation hole. And it's not it's not going to be the right process. And you could waste months or years trying to mediate when it wasn't right for you just because you thought you were saving money.
0: And, and this is. This is another area where if you're listening in and you're thinking, you know, this is not the right process for me, but you've got a strong willed spouse who's saying, you know, we don't want to give our money to the attorneys and we should definitely do this. And, you know, and and might even be uh, uh, criticizing you for not wanting to do mediation. I really encourage you to, you know, write your pros and cons and uh And listen to your intuition, because what Andrea is saying makes so much sense. You don't want to have to get involved in a process only to pull out and start all over again. So definitely, you know, pay attention to your gut on that one. I couldn't say it better. That's exactly what I, what I'm, I agree with you. Yes. So let's say it is the right. It it feels like the right process. The couple decides, OK, we're going to we're going to go in and do this through mediation. How do they prepare, Andrea? If you're if you've agreed and decided that mediation is right,
1: then to the, there are two very important things to do in the beginning. Well, first of all, with regard to finances, make sure you've gathered your financial information, do that homework in advance, get all your account statements and understand what your mortgage balance is and where all, what your pension or, you know, retirement accounts are, just gather all that information uh, so that you don't have to do it later. You're going to have to do it at some point. So gather that all together, maybe review some, uh, you know, review everything together with each other if you're comfortable doing that. Um, and also, Perhaps meet with if you've been in therapy, um, or you're interested in working with a coach. Maybe meet with a, a coach or a, divorce, uh, a therapist for divorce counseling to make sure you're emotionally ready for this and you're on the same page as much as possible to start this process of of negotiating. and and talking and moving things forward. You might have been very stuck. You might feel very stuck, and now you're finally taking this leap. Well, it's not that easy always to do it. So work with the financial and the emotional
0: uh, professionals in your life if you know to try to get you ready for that. That's such a great point. I actually had a client who his his wife had decided that she was done and this happens so often. You and I see this all the time and then she she tells her husband and then she's demanding and pushing for mediation really really quickly and you know he's he's just been you know, hit by a two by four. He he needs some time to process it. And you talked earlier about resistance. And so if you're in that place where you you just found out your spouse wants to go down this path and you're reeling set those boundaries and take care of yourself and definitely, you know, get some coaching, get some therapy, and, uh, you're not going to be serving anyone if you're entering the process too soon. And, and that's not saying drag your feet and drag it out. It's just saying, make sure that you're really ready, uh, before you jump in, and, and, you know, Andrea, I'm curious, what would you say? Because for me, when I think about it, one of the first things is, OK, now I know I want to mediate. How do I figure out who to work with? Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, well, first of all, the medi- you need that
1: mediation-friendly attorney. And um, that medi- an me- attorney who's friendly towards mediation, understands mediation, is going to give you some really good advice to put... Things in perspective for you to talk about a broad range of options to help you think um, not as narrowly narrow as narrow (laughs) (laughs) not as narrow um, but more broadly and and think about uh, different options before you even start negotiating. Um, So a a good attorney to consult with before Um, sure it's somebody who. Um, gets you and gets the process and understands you're not out for blood and you're not looking to make your spouse's life miserable and take as much as you can get, but that you want both of you need to be okay so that you can both move on with your lives. Go with your gut and and find the attorney that can hear you in the way that you you want to be heard and that that understands the kind of process that you want and how you want to feel on the other side of this. Um, And then you need to find that right mediator. And that might, you know, it's two of you, two of you have to agree on who this person is. You both have to feel comfortable with the mediator. So I suggest making an appointment, maybe sitting down for a half hour um, or an hour with, with somebody, and then maybe meet two different types of mediators. You know, some mediators come from a legal background, some from a mental health background, some meet around, um, a conference table, some meet, in, with couches and, and big comfy chairs. So it's everything from the type of person you're sitting with to the environment that you're meeting in, um, you, you know, see what feels best, best for you.
0: Our listeners often share that they've been on the fence about leaving their difficult marriage for far too long. What about you? Are you walking on eggshells, constantly trying to make sense of your spouse's black and white thinking, revisionist history, endless blame and accusation? Have you lost your voice, your self-confidence, even your belief that a better life is available for you? Imagine for a moment. Entering your divorce unflustered by your spouse's recriminations, certain of your legal rights, crystal clear on your next steps and secure in your support team. How would it be to feel guided and supported to create, practice and implement a bulletproof plan to leave your marriage with grace and dignity? If this sounds like what you need to finally get unstuck, go to journeybeyonddivorce.com and learn more about our Get Off the Fence program. You can even book a call with a coach to ensure that this is the right program for you. I never would have even thought about the environment. I think that's such an interesting point. And I know I was going to ask you because there are mediators who are attorneys and mediators who uh, who aren't. I, I didn't know some of them were therapists. So that's, that's great information. I think the last time we spoke, you said there were two different models um, of mediating. Can you just talk about that for a minute? Sure. Well, there's... I guess there's probably
1: more like four different models for mediating officially, maybe even more. But I I think you and I, I had mentioned um, a a type of transformative mediation versus more facilitative. Um, So the kinds of mediations where you haven't started in litigation and you don't have, like you weren't sent there by the court, but you're kind of starting because you want to stay out of court. I think the most common types are transformative and facilitative. I, I'm more of a facilitative mediator. I, I want them to come to an understanding. I ask a lot of questions. I help to validate and normalize their points of view and help them hear each other in a way that perhaps they couldn't hear themselves during the marriage. Um, so I, and then as we come to a a greater understanding or I help my clients come to a greater understanding of, of, What's important to each of them. They can start looking at options and we can start exploring my, what might work to resolve the different issues that they need to resolve. Um, I asked a lot of what-if questions, like, you know, and so I'm helping them think forward. I'm helping them think to the future. What if you lose your job? What if your children need to, you know, start going to a school in a different part of the city? Uh, I don't know, whatever the, what could happen in your life? I, I want as a facilitative mediator, I'm more, um, helping them, you know, think things through that they can't think about on their own. There's another type, which I've never trained in is a, a transformative mediation. And, you know, I don't practice it myself, but I have had clients who have come to me and said it didn't, it wasn't the right type for them. So they ended up, you know, working with me, but my understanding of it is more that it's based on, um, it's helping the client's talk between themselves you're not the mediator is not asking as many questions um they're more looking at a transformation of the relationship that can occur through the mediation process and so it could it it, it's like the clients are more doing i think more of the work and the Mediators are kind of to guide them
0: as more than to facilitate the conversation. Yeah, it sounds like you have almost a coaching approach where, you know, you're asking a lot of questions and you're drawing out of them what they may not even know, which sounds really um, valuable to me. I, I want to be helpful. I want to. I am. I am coming from more of a coaching way. I mean, I want to
1: make sure that they leave my office with an agreement that it will last. It's durable. They don't have to go back to court. They they'll have have thought about what happens in the future, and it's flexible enough to work with them and their family as they change and grow.
0: Perfect. Okay, so here we are. We. We've, uh, we've picked our mediating attorney or our mediator, and now we're entering the process. Let's walk through that process with our listeners a little bit. First thing that happens once we've, uh, once we've chosen our mediator. <laughs>
1: So you will, if you work with me or many mediators, you'll be asked to provide a lot of information from the very beginning, uh, lots of um, information about your family, about your um, your kids, your marriage, the, your health, um, and we'll gather a lot of financial information, um, very basic information. I don't need all the documents at this point at the very beginning, but I need to know what do you own, what do you owe. What form are, is, are these assets or liabilities in um, so we can get a, a big picture of what the financial situation is? And at that first meeting, it'll just be the, the, the couple and myself um, sitting in my office and we'll be um, going through a list of issues. I, I, at that meeting, I'll provide them with a four-page list of issues um, that we need to resolve if um, if they have children it'll be four pages if they don't have children it might only be three pages um, but we're going to go through all of these issues and see what applies to them and talk through everything and we can and we'll decide at that first meeting what are the issues to be resolved and in what order do we want to discuss them um, maybe we need to we'll get clear on what information still needs to be gathered do they need appraisals of real estate? Do we need, you know, uh, statements gathered? Do we, is someone waiting to get a new job? Or are you waiting to hear where your children will get into school? Like sometimes there's just, life is happening and we can't, we just have to wait because some things need to um, kind of settle down before we can start making decisions. So we get clear on where they are in their lives. Um, And you'll you'll meet, you know, we'll start making regular meetings um, as in a way that makes sense so that we can start working through these issues.
0: So once you've gone through that list and you have some sense of goals and interests, and, and then you start asking all of those questions about what if, uh, as you start getting into the negotiation, you had said something to me the other day when we were chatting that I thought was really interesting that I'd like you to share with the listeners. Something about, um, uh, litigation being about positions and mediation being about something else. Do you remember that? Yes. Yes. Mediation
1: is focused on your interests. We want to understand what's important to each spouse. Um, What is, what are your goals and needs and wants? Um, Not what, where do you stand on this issue? That's a position. So let me give you an example. It comes up a lot. Uh, People, are living in a home together, apartment or a house. And at the end of the marriage, one of them wants to stay in that house and the other person then wants to, has to move out. So the person that wants to stay in the home, um, it could if you were in court and you were in litigation, it, it, you might give a lot of reasons why you should stay there. It might be because the other person did something wrong or because I just want to stay there. my you know, I should be able to stay there. I should be able to stay in the home until my children are out of high school or college. Um, it, and but we're not in court, you're not asking so much why. you know, in in, in mediation, we want to know why. Why is it important for you to stay there until the kid, the child, is out of high school? Now, what is? And we might hear that. Well, the child in this neighborhood. I work during the day, and all his friends in the school are right here, and he can ride his bike. And if I have to move, I can't afford this neighborhood anymore, and I'll have to get childcare. And I don't know how my child will get around if I'm at work all day. Or my my mother lives around the corner, and she helps care for the children. Or it's important for me to. To stay here because I don't want my children to have to, get to sleep in a new bedroom. Like they're, they're so comfortable in their current home. I've made this home ideal for them and I can't imagine ripping them out of it right now. But we want to understand what's going on for the person making the request. Um, and, and only by understanding what's important and why they're making this request, can we look at other options? Now, is there another way that, we can do something with this home and yet still have all those needs met this person might not be seeing those other options so that's the difference between in my opinion the biggest difference between litigation and mediation is asking those why questions
0: it sounds like by asking those questions you're opening up the possibility for significantly more creative problem solving is that true absolutely
1: it 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 opens up all kinds of different options and brain st- ability to brainstorm and see if we can find a solution that works for both of them for both their needs
0: are met both parties so so is there anything else just in in the process itself i mean it, well actually here's my question i think there's this assumption that well if we're going through mediation you know it's non adversarial it'll be nice and sp- smooth, maybe not easy wheezy, but pretty smooth and, and pretty quick. So can you share with us maybe, uh, something that's a typical mediation experience, and then maybe something that's a little bit more difficult just to give us a flavor of the range? Sure. Um,
1: you know, people often ask how long is this going to take? And I say, if it, if, if it takes only two meetings, you've had incredibly easy mediation. And if it takes 10 or more, you've had a really mediation might not be the right process for you. Right. So somewhere between two and 10, how, how quick those meetings happen is up to the couple and a lot of different factors, but like a really easy situation um i've you know working with a couple I've, I've had this type of situation a number of times where the couple comes to me with all of their information laid out they've discussed what they want to do they they've come to a big a, a agreement on the big picture of of how to deal with finances and support and the kids and they need me to help them kind of fill in all the gaps, and the puzzle pieces, you know, that are missing from their agreement. Um, but they are generally limited issues. Um, in this situation, the really easy situation, either there's no children or the children are old enough that um, parenting and child support aren't as much of an issue. So that's that's the easy case. A more typical situation might be four to seven mediation sessions. Um, You know, we try to limit it as much as possible. But depending on how complicated the issues are, it it can take longer. So this couple is typically ready for mediation. And, um, you know, maybe there was some... There was some pain and betrayal or something sad that happened, but, and, and those issues might come up during the mediation. So we have to take things slower. Like we have to acknowledge and understand where people are so that we can continue to keep moving forward. Um, but these, you know, This couple, the more typical couple has younger children um, that might need this four to seven sessions. Um, Younger children, um, a little more complicated division of assets, might not be clear on how to divide everything, might have to wait for appraisals to come in. Um, Maybe um, they're not exactly in line on what the parenting schedule should be. Um, So we we have to work through all these different issues. Um, so a really hard case might be seven to ten sessions, and you know these are very usually it's more emotionally um, based. It's that's what's holding things up. Or I've had some case, I've had a case more than one where the one of the spouses hired a very mediation friendly lawyer, and one did not. So the one who didn't hire the mediation friendly lawyer is not getting great advice on how to mediate. Wasn't being encouraged to think about her interests or his interests, um, was really taking a lot of positions. And I, you know, then I, mean, I have to do more work to kind of move them off of it. They're kind of we're working at odds, the attorney and the mediator at that point. So it, it takes longer um, if you don't find that, if you don't have that right attorney in your corner. Because unfortunately, they think they're doing what they should be doing with protecting you from your spouse, um, but your mediation, and and you just need to make sure you're going to be okay. So those harder meetings, medi- harder mediations we're taking one step forward, two steps back, you know, it's
0: just this back and forth and it just takes longer, you know, in that situation. You know, it brings up a question for me, Andrea, how often should an individual be meeting with their own attorney throughout the process?
1: So I'm, I do a lot of this mediation consulting work and I find that, um, my clients who are in mediation, who you know, working with me as a mediation consulting attorney, they've they've met with me before they start the mediation process. They're checking in with me maybe before each mediation session or after the mediation session, so we can kind of touch base. I can each either help them prepare for the mediation. It might just be a phone call or an email exchange. You're not coming in to meet with me, so it might be. I don't know, 15 minutes, 30 minutes of time with your attorney. It's not lots of time, but you're checking in regularly, running things by your attorney. This is what I heard today. This is what my spouse just raised today. What do you think? How should I respond? Things like that. And then, of course, after the mediator um, drafts the agreement, if it's a lawyer mediator, we draft the agreement. Um, We would review it. I would review it for my client. So, the people in mediation who are have that attorney from the very beginning just go through the process so much more smoothly um so i can't tell you how many times it is it really depends on how long the mediation lasts but it's a regular um, touches, little touches throughout the process.
0: Right, I think that's what I wanted to hear you say that you're not meeting with the consulting attorney in the beginning and at the end; that they're actually involved throughout so that they can guide uh, guide the client in maybe. You're fighting for something that if you went to court, you would lose anyway or whatever kind of advice they're giving that that helps them along. And so you really want to have a a relationship with your consulting attorney, it sounds like. Yeah, Right. And you want to be I I love
1: mediation consulting work because I'm helping that my client advocate for himself or herself um, and really putting things in perspective for them. You know, but what's really important? Like, why are we why would you request that or why do you think your spouse is requesting that? You know, let's think about this.
0: You know, it sounds like you bring um, one of my favorite words. You bring a lot of curiosity to the process.
1: Yeah, that's, I, I do. I ask a lot of questions, and I, I, I not just for myself, but that some of my my clients understand. You know, and understand,
0: be a little more curious about themselves, well, and understand their yeah. That's it. It's, it's so powerful because you're not only asking the questions for you to hear the answer, but just like we do in coaching, you're actually asking the questions so that they may dig below what I like to call the cover story and find out what's really going on uh, deeper down so that they, and they learn things about themselves by doing that. They do. They yeah. do. And I think
1: working with the coach through the process is so important as well. I'm not just saying that because I I love you and I love the work that you, you do, but you know I if, if the client as a, as a consulting attorney if I'm if I'm being relied upon to provide too much emotional support, look I'm as empathetic as they come. I've studied positive psychology. I love you know psychology. I love the idea of coaching. I'm not a coach. I'm a lawyer. So I don't want you to pay me to do what a coach can do, right? So I'm always looking for opportunities to say, you know what? I think that you'd be you'd be better served by calling your coach or your therapist or whoever might be the right person to talk to about this issue.
0: And I think the other place where you and I uh, are very like-minded is as a coach, I rarely tell my clients what to do, like almost never, except when it comes to finances. I always strongly, strongly encourage them to sit down and meet with a financial expert. And whether it's a certified divorce financial planner or your accountant who you trust or whomever, that um, divorce is so much about the money that to not Take advantage and have a like a full, uh, uh, an, uh, all-star support team, I guess is what I want to say, which would be that really good attorney, uh, some emotional support, and that financial support so that you completely understand the ramifications of what you're negotiating with on that front. It's so true. I, when I, when a client comes to me, and they've already met with the
1: financial neutral, a financial professional, so they can understand the financial situation, um, they're they're just in such a better place. And if they haven't done that already, I'm going to refer them to this person during the process. And generally mediation, I'm, I'm, I'm often for the more complicated cases referring my clients to a a financial neutral as well, as well as perhaps a parenting specialist. So the more high conflict or complicated situations, I want them to have that expertise. I don't pretend to think I can do it all. And well, should I do it all? Uh, I don't, there's no ego involved here. Let's put the best team around this couple that they can get the help
0: and support that they need you know, to get to get through this. And, you know, you're describing mediation. I personally litigated for a lifetime. It felt like it was three and a half years. And the thought that you can mediate in give or take two to ten meetings, if you're listening in and thinking, oh, my God, all these experts, it's such a temporary part of your life, it's, it's going to be here and gone. And yet the decisions are so vital, the negotiating and what you're going to have on the other side of it and how you're going to engage with your ex for if, especially if you have children for the rest of your life. And so it's, it's really important to create a strong support team so that you're making the very best decisions you're fully equipped and that you're you're confident as you go through the entire process you've been listening to our podcast getting educated Helps you gain a broader perspective, commit to your best next steps, and determine what coaching support is right for you. Visit rapidreliefcall.com to book your call today. something earlier. So for those of you who are thinking, Oh yeah, I'm going to have an easy divorce. I mean, really why even go to a mediator if me and my spouse, and I've heard this before, we've, we've pretty much agreed on everything. And I'd love for you to just talk about the value in those easier mediations, what the value is of actually sitting with the mediator and, and buttoning up everything.
1: I'm laughing and smiling as you're saying this because I don't understand why, but the average divorcing person doesn't know if they have an easy or more complicated case. It's, they're always like a completely opposite. They, <laughs> the ones that are actually easy think, "Oh, we have." I don't know how we're going to get through this. And the ones who think they they tell me, "Oh, we have an easy situation." You know, they're not. So um, don't don't tr- always trust yourself to know if you have that easier or hard one. Maybe from what I said today, you can see yourself a little better. But they didn't have that benefit. So uh, if you heard the easy case, you know you have a lot worked out on your own and you understand the issues, and there aren't a lot of issues to even resolve, the mediator is going to help you make sure it's fleshed out and think about things and the details to so that the big plan that you've agreed to can work. You might not understand how, all the things that go into it. That's all. it's It's not complicated. It's just not anything you would have thought about before if you haven't been divorced. So um, it, it can be quite a, an easy streamlined process, um, but it, but it's
0: essential so that your agreement actually works and gets uh, you know approved by the court. So this has been so incredibly helpful. I think that I have a much better sense of the entire mediation process and everything that goes into it, Andrea. Are there some final thoughts that you'd like to leave our um, our listeners with? Uh, I guess my
1: final thought would be that uh, understand who you are and who your spouse is, and if you know, as you're trying to choose what process to to use, um, mediation is not right for everyone, and litigation isn't, and collaboration isn't. So explore. You know, when you sit down with your first lawyer. Meet with a lawyer who can tell you about the different processes, who have has worked in the different processes of litigation, collaboration, mediation. Um, don't just take what they say, you know, if, they, if they're not aware of all the different processes, they can't advise you how it might work for you. So do your research on that. Um, know that there are attorneys and professionals out there and mediators out there who want what's best for you. They, it, it's it's expensive to go through a divorce, but it doesn't have to. Not, there are people out there who really are trying to help you get through this with ease as much as possible. Um, and um, just know that you don't have to turn. Not every divorce has to be a war. You know? um, it really can. Unfortunately, what Karen went through, it was, it was, you know, sounds hellish, but it doesn't have to be that way. And by finding the right professionals, um, you can guarantee that you,
0: you don't have to go through that that battle. I think that's such an important point. And I always tell clients, like, don't listen to all the horror stories, because if everyone's telling you how terrible divorce is and how horrendous the process is, and, and you set that as your expectation, you're pouring energy into something that you don't want. And so trust that if you do the research and you engage with your spouse and you trust your gut, that you have a lot of power to create the experience that you want to have. And that's one of the things that, you know, we work with you guys on all the time is experiencing divorce with more ease, regardless of how your spouse shows up. So as we wrap up, Andrew, you have I know you have a blog and a guide. Can you tell people uh, where they can find you? What's what is your website? Sure, it's um, vacalaw.com. um Can
1: you spell my, that? Yes, vaccala dot vacalaw.com. I have a blog that's connected to that website. You can go on and it's called Creative Resolutions Blog and um, it it, it's all kinds of articles about non-adversarial divorce and um, non-adversarial prenuptial agreements. So when you're on the other side of divorce, if you're getting remarried, you can do that in a non-adversarial way too. Um, But, um, and also there's a guide on my website um, called Why Court Should Be the Last Resort for Your Divorce and it goes through it shows you how litigation and mediation and collaboration are you know the differences between them in many different ways so that's a
0: free um guide on my website that you can you can ask for excellent and what's your phone number if someone wants to just jump off this call and call, call you right away?
1: 212-768-1115
0: awesome thanks so much okay thanks karen Through our one on one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.